Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Mike and Viana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Viana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H. Hi everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episode 9 of Survivor Micronesia Fans vs. Favorites. Here we are, a group of fans talking about a favorite episode of a favorite season of Survivor, the Merge episode where the effing stick comes to life and promptly dies. A hero, a villain, who's to say? I'm here to break down this episode with a motley crew of individuals as we culminate and commemorate yet another merge episode here in our jump through history. First, someone that I would consider a triple threat, Miss Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? Well, let me just say there is nothing micro about my love for Survivor Micronesia, baby. Oh, so you got me at the end there. You you <laughs> threw in the baby and that's like the Intera bang right at the end of it. The nice little punctuation. That's right. Never would have known. <laughs> And I'm so excited to bring this person on because, as you may know, uh, Rob Cicernino recently put out the call for new voices on RHAP. And we are so happy to welcome not only a new guest to the B&B, but a new guest to RHAP in general as we uh, bring someone aboard in an outrigger canoe. Uh, fresh from a nice meal of bat and cuddling Aussie <laughs> under the moon. Chantel Francis, welcome to the B&B. How you doing? I am doing amazing. Thank you so much for the warm, warm, warm welcome. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And I'm so happy to be talking about this episode because I forgot how much I loved this whole season. It just kind of brought me back to about you know 10 years ago and where I was. It was really emotional and amazing and I loved it. So happy to be here to talk all about it and play some games. Well, that being said, I'd love to take you back to not only 10 years ago, Chantel, but before that, we always ask our B&B guests, but I feel like it's even more paramount with somebody completely new to the RHAP universe. What is your survivor origin story? When did your interests merge with RHAPs? Well, I've loved reality TV from the very beginning. So I was, you know, a real world road rules fan all the way into when I remember I was working at a nightclub for the first time, I was about 18 years old and I was doing coat check and I saw on the TV this 
premiere for Survivor and me and my best friend kind of liked, liked hiking, camping a little bit, whatever, more so her. And I was like, oh my God, she would love this game and this show. She never got into it, but I started watching it and I just really got into a, I love competition. I love strategy. And I just thought it was amazing concept to see these people battle it out for a million bucks. And so during that time, you know, Big Brother came along. And so I just been an avid fan from the very beginning. And I just been following along and watching and growing up with all these people. These are everybody in this episode. We're all about the same age. And so I feel a kinship to them because, you know, we've been living this survivor dream life, we'll say. I'm trying to think of a way to make coat check into a survivor challenge in some way. Is it like check the most coats? <laughs> well, like, it could be like a, it could be like a memory challenge thing, right? Because well, I can remember imagine there's the only some, like organiz- yeah, like remember whose coat went with who. Well, what I'm really I used happy to though, do- Chantel, you said like, oh, I was in the club doing coat, and I was like <laughs> holding my breath. <laughs> no, 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 no. But um, <laughs> a game that would work out is what I used to do, and I mean the place doesn't exist anymore so I don't think I'll get in any trouble but I used to maximize the amount of coat space that I had in there because we got a percentage of how many coats we actually checked not just by tips and so I would put like a b c d like one a b c d on a coat and I could have different people that didn't know each other on the same hanger if they're like one b I would know that they were like the second from the hanger in and so I did maximize the space of that coat check and that like 18 years old, I was making 400 bucks a night. So, so I wasn't yeah. even allowed to talk about it. Oh my so, God. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> incredible. I did maximize potential there. You're real like poverty like in your ability. Much like she's able to juggle multiple alliances, you are able to juggle multiple coats of people who don't know each other on one hanger. Never lost a jacket. <laughs> that's, that's in your accolades. That's in your like... um Awards on my resume. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Angelina is like salivating right now at hearing that fact. Oh, like, <laughs> only she like, could yeah, do this thing. Like Jolie, no jacket. Yes, <laughs> Angelina. <laughs> yes. Well, Let's let's get into this episode because yeah, I mean, Survivor Micronesia has been one of the most universally heralded seasons in Survivor history. Some might even say it's one of those like renaissance seasons in the teens where things were super experimental and this episode in particular obviously the main ticket item is the reveal of the effing stick finally the storyline i think ozzy like made it in like episode four or something it finally comes around here in episode nine but liana what was your reaction to re-watching this episode especially like being dropped right in the middle of micronesia at a very pivotal point in the game Okay, so I will say, yes, I rewatched this episode, but I also rewatched when Ozzy made the idol and then when Jason found the idol. So I kind of had like the setup for then what is the eventual reveal where it's like, oh, psych, (laughs) like it's not a real idol. And it's so funny because when you put it all together, the editors use the same music. For like the silly <laughs> idol, it's like dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> like it's completely, absolutely ridiculous. And it's like, okay, we're trying to take this seriously, but mm, like we can't really. And so when you kind of put it all together, it really is a super fun story of just 
such a such a mess and Jason really thinking that it could be real and when you ugh, oh my gosh it's just it's such a mess and it's so fun and I remember it fondly obviously I think a lot of people do but then even rewatching and putting all the pieces together it was just even more fun like this is just such a fun piece of survivor history mm-hmm. Chantel what did you think about revisiting this episode well, I decided to go back a little bit further and do the whole lead up. So I watched from season one or like episode one all the way up to this merge episode. And that's what was really taking me back. I was like, I love these characters. And I felt it was like the origin story of all these legends. I was just seeing mm. them like before that they became who they are now. And it was really, it was really amazing to see the, the effing stick in action. Like we know that the effing stick is a big deal in, in survivor history, but just reliving it was, it was just so fun. And I, I felt so bad for poor Jason. He just wants to be, you know, super cool, like Ozzy. And he got duped. Oh, I felt so bad. Yeah, I want to ask a question. Do we think that Jason's portrayal in this episode is like the stupidest someone has come across in a single episode of Survivor? Because it was one of these things where obviously we know what's going to happen. We know this is a fake idol. We know that he's someone's going to try to play it and is not going to be real and they're going to be disappointed. And to that point, the editors made sure any modicum of sound clip they had of Jason Siska being adamant that it's a real idol, they were going to milk it and then some and make an entire like ice cream store out of it that Eric would then scoop for. It really seemed like they were playing it up. And I can't for the life of me think of anyone who really just came across as daft in a single episode of Survivor <laughs> as Jason Siska. Especially because, I don't know if it makes it better or worse, that he didn't even go home from it. Uh, that he was sort of like by the sidelines and almost like, uh, and, you know, was the one who facilitated the fact that Eliza ended up going out in kind of an embarrassing way. I think my favorite quote was after the challenge when he was like, I dominated the whole challenge. When I saw the look of failure on Ozzy's face, like that was so delightful. Like I'm going to send him home tonight. And then just knowing what we know as the audience that it's not going to happen, um, which is, oh, it's, oh my God, it's just so amazing. But to answer your question, Mike, I, this honestly is absolutely insane. I would say the Drew Christie boot that we covered is probably the only thing that I can think rivals this mm. um, because it's just it's so funny. But at the same time, like you can't hate Jason because <laughs> like, he's just so stupid, like thinking that this piece of like wood with a face on it is like actually a real idol. So I don't know, Chantal, like it's really hard to take him seriously. I mean, I couldn't take the stick seriously. And even, you know, he was just so proud to be sharing it with Eliza. And she's like, well, where is it? And it's just like, he just believes it so much. And you're just like, he can't, he can't. He must have like a little inkling knowing that it's not a real thing. But I don't think I can think of anything that really compares to how he was portrayed in this particular episode. Well, to your point, I think something that has sort of been a bit obscured, obviously, like the big memorable quote from this episode is it's an effing stick. But there is so much Jason around this situation that is so quote worthy and memeable. Just like the way he talks to Eliza is such like a smooth operator. At one point, he's like, don't worry about it, baby. 
which is so like it felt i feel like he's, he was inviting her into his van when they just came <laughs> back from a music festival or something and then in the actual conversation itself you know a says it's an effing stick and jason's response is like no 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 it has a face on it so that's the one thing that convinced him is that because this is an anthropomorphized stick that therefore it's not a fake and then it finally the whole like back and forth culminates in just a fantastic moment from jason of well that's a bummer and it's just like such a capper because again there's no stakes in for him he already has one immunity but he has effectively like you know taken given given a rug to eliza and then pulled it out from under her she was screwed either way but he said don't worry baby i got you a rug it's super nice it's an afghan you know nothing but shag and then he promptly pulled out the rug immediately without realizing it jason's like emphatic nature about it has a face on it like he's like but guys it has a face on it like that means something from survivor lore and then eliza's just like that's not it like no that's not it i think my favorite part though isn't even jason it's when um he leaves her so he leaves her the effing stick Mm -hmm, in her mm -hmm. bag and she finally finds it and then just power walks her way to jason (laughs) to just be like no 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 that was hands down my favorite part of this episode yeah it's interesting chantel because obviously eliza orland has uh recently popped up in survivor discourse due to her run for for new york district attorney but this is the last time we see her on survivor this is the last time she is an active contestant in survivor proper this is like her final episode and i feel like it is sort of peak eliza where you have like this fantastic fieriness and stubbornness paired with unfortunately a bit of social ostracization which just follows her wherever she goes well i also found it amazing that she even was gonna she was gonna play that stick at tribal council she knew that it was a phony stick but she was still going to go for it and play that stick and you know that's kind of what we still love about eliza is that like she knows that she's going down but she's definitely going down swinging and yeah, I appreciate that about Eliza for sure. Yeah, that's right. Like props to her for at least trying. Like I know we kind of <laughs> laugh like, ah, ha ha ha. Like, oh, you're going to play the fake idol. But like still, like at least you tried. <laughs> because I mean, as Jason said, it had a face on it. Okay, people? Yeah, well, it's actually very comparable to the previous season's merge episode, the merge episode of Survivor China, which if people might not remember, it was actually very similar around a fake idol you know, Jamie and PG and, and Eric had heard about the idols being the planks above the camp. And so Jamie grabbed like one of the random planks that I think James had pried up and was like, oh, I think this is an idol. And so that was a very similar type of episode where we knew what was going to happen. And in both cases, it seemed like the person was going home anyway. And so it really was sort of a, a last ditch effort. But man, did I feel bad for the the treatment of Eliza here. Again, Parvati is, is a queen in specific rights, but you can sort of forget some of her mean girl tendencies like she shows in this episode. I'm intrigued to hear from you, Chantal, because you're somebody who watched this season, you know, from the premiere recently and probably talked about in this episode, like, oh, you know, Eliza and I have been going uh, tip top toes since the very beginning. What did you think about like their conflict without these for, throughout these first nine episodes of the season? Well, I remember when I first watched it, I, I found that um, poverty was being a bit more of a mean girl. But I felt like this time I saw a little bit more of kind of how Eliza was being a little bit. And I was actually surprised by being a little bit siding with um, with poverty. Um, 
So yeah, Eliza, you know, you, you had the edit of her like always looking through the bushes at her and kind of not being fully honest with poverty with what her intentions were. I, I kind of saw more so what poverty was doing in that moment. And when I originally seen the episode, I, I was definitely more so team Eliza. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I had almost the opposite take. Mm. <laughs> so like when I watched it, I was like, oh, maybe I am like feeling more along the Eliza side just because it felt like, I don't know, it was very much like, oh, I'm kind of the most popular girl in school and I kind of don't really care what other people feel. Um, and especially maybe it's just because like she was an underdog. Eliza was um, going into this episode and with the whole like, oh, I don't know, was she made a fool or was it just like a byproduct of Jason being an idiot? Like, I don't really know. But at the same time, I think there's a certain amount of empathy that I have for her, like having to go through that whole ordeal. Well, I think what doesn't help this particular episode is that we hear Parvati talk so much about Eliza, but Eliza's not really talking about Parvati, mm-hmm. right? All, all the, the footage we're seeing of Eliza, she's talking about Ozzy, understandably so, because Ozzy's the person that she wants to go for. I think to your point, Chantal, maybe if you watch the entire arc, it makes more sense because I know Eliza was was somebody who was really gung ho going after poverty in that very first vote. And assumingly uh, when they swap tribes as well, that it would make more sense for poverty to feel like, you know, she was getting recompensed. But looking at it specifically through this episode, it really did almost seem like a Shambo Laura Moret type of thing where it was like, okay. Uh, you know, Eliza's going after Ozzy, but it seems like Eliza's living rent free in poverty's head because she talks about her so much. Well, I think, though, maybe my perspective is coming because I've played some um, online reality games and some live reality games now that I hadn't played at that time. And sometimes you get the feeling that someone is out to get you, that someone wants you out. And it could be true or it could not be true, but it's like your life in the game is about getting that person out. And so I think that maybe me having that visceral experience now, I can understand more why um, poverty might be like, I need to get her out because I don't feel like she's on my side. I feel like she's an enemy at this point. Mm. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't care like what it was. <laughs> like I will do whatever it takes. Like this person said my name at some point. Like exactly. it does not matter. They need to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because, again, this episode is really remembered for one thing. I'd forgotten how it does seem to highlight, you know, some of the other characters we get. You know, I think the whole like Alexis, Ozzy, Amanda love triangle, quote unquote, really doesn't go anywhere. But I did remember that this is, I believe, the first episode when Amanda gives the famous quote, I'm livid, which I have no idea if either of the two of you were like Survivor sucks people back in the day. But that was such a popular quote on there that someone made an entire webcomic called The Adventures of Livid Manda, uh, because it's such like an odd, eclectic phrase to use. Uh, but it stems from the the ever-changing relationship of Amanda and Ozzy that season. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. But that was a really sort of fun, like, little rabbit hole. But like, oh, right. There were all of these relationships. And they, there was sort of this other part of it, even though because, you know, Micronesia is remembered for the Black Widow Brigade. But like, oh, right. The boys were kind of a part of that. You know, you have Ozzy and you have James. And they're sort of like, throwing the the monkey wrench at least in the beginning even though it's not necessarily remembered because of those relationships yeah Chantel, i know that it's like not a popular aussie but micronesia aussie might be my favorite just because <laughs> the, the the role he serves in the season and 
you know, I guess my hot take about this is I actually like the next episode more than this one. Uh, I really like this episode, but I even like the next one even more where Ozzy gets blindsided because in my opinion, he really is like the villain of the season. And it's so interesting to see what an edit can do to go from like one of the most heroic alliances in Survivor history and Cook Islands to like being the big a-hole in Survivor Micronesia. Well, at the time when I first was introduced to Ozzy, he could do no wrong. I, I was a fan of Ozzy. I, anything Ozzy did, I, I was definitely on the Ozzy train. So I loved him in this episode. I'm sure I loved him in the next episode just, just as well. I probably was heartbroken that he, you know, was blindsided. Um, but I'm, I've always been an Ozzy fan. Well, in, at least in the early game, early years. <laughs> yeah, that's. Um... That's interesting to think about it that way. Like, is Ozzy is the villain? Because I don't think that's like, if you said, oh, who's the villain in Survivor Micronesia? Like, Ozzy's definitely not the first person that would pop into my head. But when you really break it down, I think he might actually fall under the villain category. Like, that's insane. Yeah, and I think it's also because Mario Lanza sort of ascribes this to, there are some Survivor characters who, either from an editing perspective or a behavioral perspective, just are are looked at in a different light when they're not in power versus when they are in power. He uses Boston Rob and Stephanie LaGrosa as big examples, but you might say that about Ozzy as well. Like Ozzy was on the bottom clawing his way up for a long time in Survivor Cook Islands, and he was the dolphin boy winning challenges for his alliance. Here, he basically gets power from the get-go and finds an idol, and you're like, oh, okay, Ozzy's a little bit different. I don't know if it's the haircut or anything, but to sort of push against that point that I just made, uh, you know, if Chantel's opinion can be considered, sometimes it doesn't even matter. Sometimes he's like Teflon to a certain extent where it doesn't really matter the circumstances. Ozzy's going to Ozzy. Yeah, I think um, there were a few things that Ozzy said during this episode, especially uh, with regards to Jason, where it was like, oh, and Eric, you know, you can throw in the same boat, but it's like, oh, Jason is a big fan fan of mine he wants to prove himself and then like oh but i'm gonna screw jason over because he has the fake idol like this is poetry in the making <laughs> it's like something he says regarding jason like falling for the fake idol it's almost like ozzy is the bully like who's the who's um what's his face it's like white blonde guy from all the 80s movies mike do you uh, know who i'm talking about well, there's there's a lot. There's the white blonde guy from uh, Back to the Future. There's the white blonde guy from Karate oh, Kid. Yeah, but it's like there's one actor. Doesn't he like... No, I mean, there were multiple actors who played these guys. Okay, well, anyway, so... Was maybe... there a particular movie? There's there's someone I'm thinking of. Um, from American Pie? Anyway, not important. But yeah, maybe Ozzy like, falls under like that category. At least for this particular episode yeah exactly well let let's get into our games here because i'm sure we'll be able to break down mm. the episode in in some new ways or maybe not who the hell's <laughs> to say on the bnb especially this off season okay yes so the very first thing we have to talk about is fake immunity idols come on this is like one when you're thinking about fake immunity idols whether it be Chris um, Underwood's idol, which apparently he made, I was reminded of when I was preparing this uh, particular activity, uh, or whomever's idol, the effing stick, of course, stands out. So we are going to buff or snuff fake immunity idols 
from the history of Survivor. So if you are interested in playing along, you can go check out the bit.ly link. It is bit.ly slash BNB fake idol. That is bit.ly slash BNB fake idol to play along. We are going to be talking about some amazing idols or maybe not so amazing. Let's buffer snuff them. Mike, we have to start with the the OG, the OG fake idol. We are talking about Yao Man's idol from Survivor Fiji, the coconut with eyebrows is, I yes. think, the best way to describe this. Would you buff or snuff this idol? So this is the very first one, right? So, like, you you have to start off at a certain point. Uh, for those that might not remember, so Yao Man, back during Survivor Fiji, the idols were hidden at each tribe camp. Uh, Survivor Fiji instituted the idols in a number of ways. They had the, It was the first season with two idols. It was the first season that had our now-existing model where idols are played after the votes are cast, but before they're read. And so Earl led an expedition of everybody else away from the camp. Yao Man found the idol and then made a fake idol just in case someone was looking for it, where he painted a coconut. I believe he also painted I.I. on it so that people would think it stood for immunity idol. (laughs) But I have to say, the brow game is everything. It is giving me so much expression. I feel like Jason Siska would fall for this and naturally has a shocked expression with the eyebrows on top of it. You got to think like, oh, I'm so surprised you found me. I'm a hidden immunity idol. Please put me in your pocket. That's sort of like is the monologue you assign to it. So you know what? I'm I'm going to buff it. Look, does it look that uh, that, you know, detailed compared to other stuff? No, but the creativity and just the brows. Oh, I'm dying for those brows. I mean, Chantel, it has a face. Okay. <laughs> I am also going to buff it because I it has paint, you know, it's vibrant. Um, mm. but I think that it could be fool, foolable. Um, just because like, you know, why would it have a face on it? Like maybe that's a clue to something else within the game. I think that it can it would slide by and uh I think we should buff Yaman's idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will three for three. I'm going to buff this idol as well. <laughs> Just like it's OG. You have to. Now, you know, bushy eyebrows are here to stay. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you got to add that. And of course, it, it passes the Jason Siska rules of it has a face. <laughs> yeah, really. I think it's the only idol that looks like an emoji to this point, right? Like this is the shocked face emoji. Yes. Okay, I was going to say, what emoji is it? It is definitely the shock-based emoji. And, of course, it says I.I., meaning that it is the immunity idol. The next idol that we have to talk about is Bob's fake idol. So this is played by Randy. There is some debate about whether or not Randy thought it was real or not, but this one was made with, like, tree resin and all that stuff. This one, Chantel, I think looks pretty good. Oh, 100%. Like, that's buff for sure like it looks authentic it's very it's very well done um i would be fooled by this as an idol if it had all the 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 wrappings up and the note and all that stuff i would 100 percent be fooled by it so buff for sure Mm -hmm. now mike you got to pick an idol when you went out this honestly looks so much better did did that make the list by the way no it did not because yours was unfortunately real (laughs) this looks so much better than yours i'm sorry i have to say it 
<laughs> no, it does. I mean, I remember, say what you want to about Bob Crowley as a Survivor winner, but I do think what he was able to do here was a legitimate game-changing moment where previously, obviously, we had a Yaman with the coconut and Ozzy with the stick, which I'm sure we'll get to. But like, this is the first time, honestly, I feel like concerted effort was put in to make one of these things. And it absolutely shows. Like, it's got, I think, like a rock for the face. I love the use of jewels. Like, the bedazzled, again, has that face, passes the Cisco metric. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Are those, like, pine cones used as its little, like, I don't know. It's got, like, pigtails. And it almost seems like it looks like it has, like, a goatee with that yellow bead hanging from its mouth. Yeah, so it's I guess. <laughs> Um, I so think it looks like some sort of like punk kid, like the punk kid that Spock ran into on the bus during Star Trek: The Voyage Home. Like your your typical, you know, skateboarding teen is what this this immunity idol looks like to me. Yes, all the goth kids are like, you know, what idol I really associate with? It's Bob's fake idol from yeah, Gabon. Kind of looks like a juggalo. Right. Yes, the insane clown posse is all about this idol um i think for me like i just remember him placing like all of those tiny shells like on its face with the resin mm. and i'm like if someone is gonna take that amount of attention to detail when it comes to making a fake idol like i have no choice but to stand mm-hmm. yeah it's it's and again say what you want to about whether or not randy played it it was again another situation where he was getting voted out anyway so he decided to play it but this could at least be one that I don't think we would necessarily laugh at uh, in the vein of crystal and sugar if somebody were to play this thinking it was real. Yeah, completely agree. Agreed. Okay, the next idol we have to talk about is less so an idol and more just like the general vibe of what Rupert was going for. And that's right, we are talking about Rupert's Rupert's pocket rock which is the best way i can think to describe it which is when he is in heroes versus villains and he's like i have to throw everyone off the scent of thinking that i have the idols that they will not vote for me and he just puts a rock in his pocket and that honestly mike is about the end of it yeah i the narrative i like to ascribe to it is that rupert you know in in season seven he memorably um, had a short-lived pet in Balboa the snake and I like to think that Rupert had a pet rock out there to keep him company especially when things were getting pretty bad for the heroes and he decided to like weaponize his pet and turn it into something because otherwise it's just an effing rock you know that as much as I love Rupert as a character there's no effort put into this and the fact that he was somehow able to trick Russell Hands is not a buff to Rupert. It's a snuff to Russell. So I'm going to, I'm going to snuff it overall. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a snuff for me as well. Um, obviously I like the idea behind maybe misleading people into thinking that you have an idol, but I feel as though it's just a bit too obvious because if you had an idol, you wouldn't be putting it in your pocket. So I just think that it wasn't a well thought out, uh, misdirect, we'll say with having an idol in your pocket. <laughs> okay. I'm going to buff this. Were you tricked? Do you think this is a real idol? (laughs) Let me just like support myself by saying that, yes, (laughs) was it like absolutely insane? Just being like, I'm just going to put a rock in my pocket and like put no effort into sculpting the rock. No like string. I'm not going to bother with anything else. But you know what? 
it worked. And so, Mike, yes, you're going to say like, oh, well, maybe this is more of a snuff for Russell. But at the same time, like, good on Rupert for just trying something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps or your own pocket rock. <laughs> do, you, do you think if Jeff got this as an idol, would he have to throw that in the fire? Because I feel like this is distinctly different because it contains no wooden elements. Yeah, that's a good point, Chantal. Like, I don't know. Is it like, does it burn? Does that count? Like, is, is there something about like, oh, if it's fake, it has to burn? Or mm. like, can you just throw it in as a rock? I think he would probably throw it into the fire. Yeah. Or throw would. it back. Or maybe place Rupert. it. Maybe <laughs> place it into the fire so there wouldn't be like a big like outburst of embers. But I think it would go to the fire. Yeah, that could actually get him. Also, if the tribal council set is wooden, he could possibly burn down the entire set by throwing <laughs> a rock on the fire. Or maybe it would just be one of those moments where Jeff Probst is just so disappointed in the cast. He just like shakes his head and he's like, God, you guys. All right, and he just like, what, hucks the rock off to the side? Yeah, like throws it over his shoulder. Like, I can't even with you. Well, I don't think he would be able to take it seriously because he kind of played it off, Jeff, taking the, the stick seriously, just talking about like when an idol is played, et cetera, et cetera. So I just don't think he would be able to like, have kept a straight face with with like yeah. trying to talk about this rock as a potential idol especially yeah. nowadays because like remember uh his reaction to adam's floor delis uh <sighs> hail mary with the podium like he was so uh joyously incredulous is i guess the way <laughs> i would describe it like oh my god you're kidding me i feel like especially if it was nowadays he'd have a very similar reaction to the rock hundred percent yeah i'm not gonna lie like i obviously i didn't include that here um but that play was so beautiful in like so many different ways that Adam like because it's not unreasonable to think there could be an immunity idol hidden in tribal council and there you know could be out in the open for everyone to see um but the fact that <laughs> Jeff Rubs is like yeah but it's like still attached so you <laughs> like so you want to play the podium <laughs> like as an idol and Adam's like yes <laughs> It's just so beautiful. Uh, if only, if only. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. All right. So the next idol we absolutely have to talk about is the effing stick. So mm. if you are looking at the images, there are two images that are included here. And one is Ozzy with his beautiful creation. And the second is Jason being like, but it has a face. <laughs> so, Mike, 
where do we land on the effing stick? Uh, so that, here's the thing is that from like a historical perspective, it, it earns that buff to a certain extent, because again, it leads to an absolutely incredible moment. Like you don't get Randy playing the fake idol without this. You don't get Jay playing the fake idol without this, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. It makes a reappearance on Ghost Island as well as one of the most infamous moments in a season full of infamous moments. But the actual stick itself, God, it's so doofy to look at. Like, I feel like it's perpetually uh, saying, yay! Like, its mouth is open and its eyes are open in glee. Like, it's just so excited to get played. Maybe that's why, like, Jason Siska sort of lives that life. So maybe that's why he felt a, a kinship to it. I don't know. It's a toss up here because, again, like, it's not very well made. Like, the, the notches are not even that deep. You can, you can have to, like, look at it from a certain angle to see the eyes. So again, <laughs> is it like, do we, is it more of a chastise on Jason for believing this? Or do we actually commend Ozzy and the stick itself for being able to serve its place in survivor history? Hmm. Well, I'm just shocked that Ozzy even just made it, you know, I, like, I feel like he would have had a little bit more creativity or, I mean, even the size of it and the shape of it could have been changed a little bit to make it a little bit more realistic. Um, but then I guess because of the fact that Jason actually believes it, it's like it worked, but is it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't work with like a hundred different survivors. And so for that reason that I think that Jason is probably the only person that would believe that this was a real idol. I think that I'm going to have to snuff it. Yeah, that's a great point. Like mm. this was a one in a million <laughs> chance yeah. of like the right person finding the idol because Oh my god, like I knew it was bad, but when I went to look at the picture, it's so stupid. Yeah, it doesn't have arms, it's like stick stickly. I'm like yes. I'm like thinking of it, it's gonna welcome me into the Nick afternoon or something. It's like I don't know if either of you watch South Park, but it's like somehow worse than yes. like Mr. Hanky the Christmas movie. Like it's just so bad <laughs> and like somehow Ozzy was like oh no it needs a sharp point like towards the yeah. bottom of it like because pencil? yeah I don't know how it's like a pointy ass that feels very I don't know like maybe that's the thing Jason's like oh it's a weapon in the game therefore it needs to look like a weapon so I guess I maybe I'll buff it because it does have a, another use against vampires should any reveal themselves this season <laughs> If only there was a garlic reward <laughs> that they had been preparing for. Yes. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe Jason is actually like a secret vampire hunter and like has it. He's like, oh, I want to keep this steak. I've been hoarding garlic from all the from the merge feast. That is the best spinoff I've ever heard of, of Jason the Vampire Hunter. <laughs> he just like goes through all of that. Like could definitely be him. Yeah, I think Van Siska could be a thing, Chantal. I could, I would watch it. I mean, it just what silliness is he going to believe? It's kind of like the bumbling detective. It's going to be like the bumbling vampire hunter. That's a good I point. Mean, he really is going to be like Buffy meets Inspector Gadget, right? Of like, exactly. like, Jason, there's a vampire coming. Don't worry, baby. I'm pretty sure it's not a vampire. <laughs> I think you're onto something. I love it. Um, okay, so before we jump into the immunity idol that was played by Jay, I have to say the bully that I was thinking of is the actor William Zabka. He oh, was yeah, the karate plays, kid. He played, yes. Yeah, he played he was um, the karate he, kid. Yeah. Also, just one of the guys and back to school. That's the actor I was thinking oh, of. I have to say okay. it before. 
uh, before we move on. So David made a fake idol in Millennials versus Gen X. It was found by Jay and played by Jay. Um, and this is one that was very interesting because they had the whole thing where it was like found in the coconut. And so David was mm-hmm. able to sort of like put it within the coconut Chantel. So I think this one is particularly interesting, especially because David was kind of like hoarding materials to eventually make a fake idol. So he's clearly, you know, a huge game player and like thinking ahead for what he wanted to do with that. I think it was an excellent idol. The craftsmanship is like, it's quite, quite good. Um, especially because of the fact that he was like looking for different things that he could bring together to make it like a cohesive idol. I, I think that the effort put into it was amazing. And it, I felt it was a really believable idol. Therefore, I would buff this idol. Yeah, I'm going to give David extra credit, even extra credit buff point for the fact that not only did he make a fake idol, But like you said, Liana, he also had to create a reliable system of housing the idol because this was a season where idols were not just like planted in trees. They were planted in, as Jeff said, like they were, you know, disguised in the wildlife. They were harder to find. And so like having to piece together two halves of a coconut and have Jay break it apart in a way. And the other thing is also Jay had previously had an idol as well. So it's not like something with Jason or Randy where they don't know what the idols look like that season. Jay just played one. He found one. He knows firsthand what an idol should look like and where it should come from. So the fact that he was able to do it, granted, Jay was in a very desperate position once more. So maybe he was sort of like confirmation bias. His eyes were telling him something that he wanted to believe. But he was able to trick a guy who just played an idol the day before without even giving it a second glance. So I give him a super buff on this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I co-sign that. This is like a super, super double buff or whatever we're going to give it. (laughs) Um, Just because it's, yeah, I mean, it's relatively well made. Like there's shells, there's beads. I mean, that's something that you know, you see with immunity idols. Um, but I think like added in, like Mike, like you said, with the housing and all of that stuff and probably it's playing on what Jay wants. But to be honest, this is when I think of fake immunity idols, like this is the thing that I think of after the effing stick, um, just because I think it was so well crafted and just in general, really well done. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next idol we have to talk about is Joe's fake idol. Now he is a jewelry maker. So he is definitely well versed in making these types of things. And his is very well crafted, Mike. Like, I don't know. Like, I would definitely believe this if I were out there on the island. Why do the craziest ones have to be the craftiest among survivor players? Yeah, Again, well, we, <laughs> we, well, we, will, we will separate. Yeah, we'll separate the cult. Though maybe he made like, you know how sometimes, you know, uh, survivor players make friendship bracelets for each other. Maybe he made matching necklaces for everyone in his oh, cult. Lord. That's a, a talk for another day. Because, yeah, this thing is really well made. And if we recall, so this is sort of like a rare situation where this is uh, not made by somebody to give to someone who is in danger. Joe was in danger, made this idol and basically like try to, uh, you know, fake it to Mike Holloway being like, hey, I'll give you this if you don't vote me out. Uh, of course, you know, Mike tried it was a was a bluff and Joe got voted out. But in terms of like the actual craftsmanship itself, I mean, it's immaculate. It is, for lack of a better term, amazing, Chantel. 
I agree. It definitely is amazing. But all these thoughts about these fake idols is like, I'd be, it'd give me such anxiety if I was out there. And like, I wouldn't, I don't think I could A, craft one and, you know, decide that like, A, I want to dupe someone that badly. And B, if I found it, I'd be so like heartbroken if I found out that it was wrong. So I've just, I've just been going through all the feelings right now, but it's definitely a buffable idol. But oh, it breaks my heart that they're so believable. I love this like empathetic take. Yeah. I was like, if I was out there, how would oh, I feel? If so I it's bad though. It's just like you know, because people like their dreams are out there, and it's, it's so emotional. Especially watching this back, like, it's more emotional these episodes. And you know, they want to be in the game so badly, so they're going to believe it. And so playing on the fact that people most likely will believe it. I just like it's just a little bit heartbreaking at times. So you said before that you did obviously a, a, a good amount of like real life, you know, reality games. When you do yeah. those those Survivor Big Brother situations, does anybody make fake advantages? Is there enough time to do so? Um, I've only done a Survivor one once, and that wasn't uh, that didn't really come into play because it was online. In real life, nobody. I've done a few Big Brothers in real life, and I host one in real life, and for. Both of those situations, I don't remember anybody making a fake one. No, yeah, nobody pulled, definitely like, not uh, time. Nobody pulled a Bobby from Big Brother Canada 3 and like took a hunk of plastic and said it was a secret veto or anything like that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if people would do it, but I think that because like it's go, go, go. It's like competition after competition. There's not necessarily time for someone to go and like construct something. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that's it. I've ever seen Do that. you do it on Zoom? So. Okay, so I've played one on just like Facebook chat groups and like Ooh. if you want to call them, you can. So it was actually a long one. It was 90 days long. I actually what? won it though. I won. No. It was <laughs> So it was good in the end that I won, but it was like different games online through like Facebook Messenger, etc. Um and then the other ones that I've played that was online, it was in a similar fashion where you just be chatting with people through Facebook and the games would be I don't know, post yourself, you know, running around the block in under a minute for your team challenge kind of thing. And then the other ones that I played have been in like live, real real life. Okay, interesting. Just because I'm wondering, like, can you use filters to like make Ooh. a virtual reality idol? <laughs> yeah, could you do or could you do like a 3D printed idol? And just pull it up and be like, oh, I got I got message this, so I'm using it. They they Not FedExed it to me. <laughs> Not in the games that I played. It basically the host um, at tribal council would be like, and an idol has been played or, or whatnot. So we would never had to reveal having an idol of some sort. Mm, you can't be like, but I edited this with my 3D <laughs> printer. I yeah, use SolidWorks. Jeff, I spent it. hours photoshopping this. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll think about it for the next one that I play. There you go. All right. Well, Speaking of uh, what you may describe as photoshopped idols, we have to talk about Dominic's fake, fake idol. So I don't oh, know if yeah. either of you remember this, but Dominic got a fake idol and then decided to make a fake, fake idol to show to Chris Noble, which, of course, of all people that you're going to show, Chantel, <laughs> just of course. And it was literally just a piece of string with a shell at the end of it. I'm 
it's a, it's, it's a no for me. Uh, that's going to be a snuff. Um, it's yes, you know, he has the paper and he can make it look kind of legit, but it's just, I've seen so much better work in creating an idol that I don't think that because the idol, the, uh, the audience here or the person that he's trying to make believe it was a real idol was him that, yeah, I can't let it slide. Anybody else, he wouldn't pass the test. It might pass Jason's test. <laughs> but I don't think it would pass many other people's tests. Does it have um, a face? Yeah, exactly. It does not have a face. Like the, uh, yeah, I feel like if Jason was taking another cognitive test, I don't know if he'd find the elephant. I'll put it that way. Uh, I Yeah, this, I mean, like a lot of Ghost Island, this idea confuses me a bit because so Dominic had a real, real idol. He had Andrea's idol that he found. He also found a fake idol. He found an idol that said, this is completely fake. You can bluff with it. I believe that's the one that he tried to use at the final six. I think it was uh, Jay's, wasn't it? The yeah, one that think, David made? Yeah, and, and then it, it stayed a fake idol. Yes. Uh, but you could bluff with it. But then Dominic, to sort of posture to Chris, made another, made his own fake idol. And so I kind of have to step up with the idea of like, you already have a fake idol. Just use that one. Because this clearly shows absolutely no effort we will see a moment later in the season where i think uh wendell was said i want to make a fake idol and dom's like oh i have supplies in my bag but if you're going to dominic's store on the island it seems like they're very meager supplies (laughs) so i I don't know what the best shopkeep is yeah i agree like when i remember watching this i was like why didn't he just use the fake idol like i just i didn't understand why he needed to create one that was worse than the one that he already had and uh, yeah, I just I was just confused by how he went 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 along with that plan. It was just kind of silly to me. I kind of appreciate it. It's like <laughs> fifth dimensional chess in some way of like, okay, but guys, like, what if like maybe Dominic was like, okay, maybe Chris Noble will like think that it's actually fake, and then you know, like, who knows? I'm sure like he may have answered this in one of the many deep dives that he's done of since, but. The fact that it was with Chris Noble, like, somehow Mm. adds something to the fake idol. Like, I know it has no impact, actually, but, like, Chris Noble was such a weird character and so fun. I, like, kind of want to buff it, like, just because it was for Chris Noble, which is kind of how it felt, at least in the episode. Um, But, I mean, if I'm looking at the idol itself, I mean, you gotta snuff this one. Yeah, I, I can't remember because obviously the picture that we're looking at is Dom, you know, wearing it around his neck to Chris. I can't remember if Chris said in that scene that I want to go after Dom even harder after this. That does sound familiar to me, but maybe I'm, I'm Mandela-ing it. But so if so, he granted again, he did not get screwed at the merge. Chris overwhelmingly got the votes against him. But I wonder if he like purposely or uh, unpurposely drew more ire from Chris Noble in trying to show off this shell on a string that passes a fake, fake idol to, to Chris. Yeah. Hashtag shell on a string. <laughs> it's so bad. It's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It is. It really is. I mean, he could have maybe used some of the materials of the real fake idol, you know, to make the fake, fake idol just a little bit better. That's but true. It's yeah, he, so he was bad. not explicitly told that Jay's idol had to stay intact, right? Yeah, that's a think. fantastic point. Like, if you are given a fake idol, okay, let's like go back and <laughs> blah, 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 ghost island, blah, 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 nonsense. Like, get, do you have to keep it intact? Like, didn't Wendell have like the whole immunity necklace? Like, given sure, yeah, he, had, he, had, he had Eric's immunity yes. necklace, but that was a real idol, I believe. 
Yeah, but like, what if he disassembled that? Would that be like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't count anymore. Like, you took a bunch of beads off. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't think you can disassemble a real idol. I think that would maybe invalidate the, that idol. Uh-huh. Um, but, hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I wonder think if it should be like, a fake at one. What, at what percentage <laughs> does an idol need to be whole in order to still be an idol, you know? Isn't there the thing with, like, American dollar bills? If it's like, well, if mm. you have, like, 90% of the dollar bill, like, it still counts. Like, if the corner is, like, torn off, they'll, like, still count it. Is there, or is it more, <laughs> if we're getting to the metaphysical, is it more of like a soul versus body thing of like, even if it might change physical form, the soul of it and its essence still exists and that's what can be played. You know what? You're actually, I'm, I'm agreeing with you on this one because it is still, the original intention was that it was an, a real idol or a fake idol. I think the original inception of intention is what is the actual, you know, how it actually is going to be. So I agree with you there. I'm like picturing someone trying to play an idol that they lost. They're like, no, 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 but the the intent is there. It's not a soul, Jeff. The soul is there, Jeff. I'd like to play the soul of this immunity idol. The soul of the fleur de lis that's attached. <laughs> Maybe that's what Adam was going for. Like, listen, I know I can't pry it off, but the soul is in this tribal council and I want to catch it and play it. That's right. <laughs> All right. The very last immunity idol that we have to talk about is, in fact, not an immunity idol, but it is the fake legacy advantage. Oh, my God. That our very own Detective Dean made. It is the, I mean, I guess we can buffer stuff both. Like, we have right, the fake so, immunity idol. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so, for those that might not remember, so in Jamal's infamous uh, trip to Island of the Idols where he got hosed, he was given a pen on Survivor for apparently the first time ever and told you could use whatever this blank piece of paper is to your advantage. And so Jamal came back and said, I had the opportunity to make uh, to get a legacy advantage and I'm giving it to Dean. So Dean thought this was a real legacy advantage. And much like Dominic, he said, well, I'm going to pl- make a fake legacy advantage and play it at tribal council. So everyone will think I wasted it. Uh, so he he. Very, I don't know. This is sort of like uh, like fifth grade versus first grade in terms of penmanship where Dean did not have the pen. So he just scrawled all over his. He tried to play to tribal council. Didn't work. Was like, ha ha ha. Now my plan has been seated. Went to the final tribal council. Used this as a resume point only for D- Jamal to coldly deny him his victory at that final tribal council. Oh. It's so bad. Um, I I mean, when you're just looking at them side by side, like both of them, I think are pretty bad. Um, I probably wouldn't, I don't know what I would have done. Like I wouldn't write something so long for sure. But yeah, I think that both of them will be a snuff here from me. Um, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that, you know, he wanted to use the the second one that he made just to keep the real one uh, in his pocket. Um, so I, I appreciate that, but, uh, both of the qualities of them are, I don't find to be great. And the fact that Dean couldn't tell that it was a fake, I don't really appreciate that either. So double snuffs. Yeah. So for those of you again, who are interested in seeing what these look like, it's bit.ly slash BNB fake idol, all lowercase. And my God, like just looking at them side by side, because, you know, this is a, a, a second in a time when you're watching the episode but it's like the the original fake legacy advantage is so bad and then Dean's version yeah. looks like Lockie 
Shamshamflamf. Yeah, it looks like, like a lo- Locky Hardigan. <laughs> like, as if that's like his letterhead that he got it from his desk or something. I don't even think he fit the whole thing on the piece of parchment that he's trying to recreate it from. Yeah. And it looks like he like cried over it because it's like bleeding down yeah. the thing. Like, it's just a disaster. I think this is real. So I think yes. Jamal at least had the excuse of him being like, well, I could only write it down. Granted, it's like a really crappy excuse, and Jamal himself has acknowledged it, but like, I think from what I can see, like Jamal at least tried to put like a little symbol underneath it to make it look somewhat realistic. He put the the library card esque slips below so people could <laughs> write their name. Mm. Dean had no room. I think there are times when he actually like had to write a word in there. You know how sometimes you're writing in a notebook and you run out of room and you have to like sort of write a word above other words. It looks like he did that a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Just both bad. That's so bad. The like one. Okay, so you know when you're like trying to do something fancy and you draw the like line with kind of like the squiggles on either end, and then you draw the two lines through it. Like you're trying to do something creative, calligraphy ish. Like he tried to do that. It just looks like a dead snake. It's Balboa come back to, <laughs> to life. Like it's just such a disaster. I mean, you gotta stop just- it tried to write something and then maybe say it got wet and maybe mm. so it would be like uh. faded and glory maybe that i could maybe buy it a little bit but it's just it just look everything about it is just bad <laughs> yeah i think I, I remember somebody maybe writing a fake advantage and like i want i don't know if this was international or not they like burn the edges a little bit maybe dean did something similar here though i like it looks a little purpley and that makes me fearful as to like what he did you know if he like dipped it in his own blood or something to show that it was real i don't, I don't think it was that um and yeah, in I which case that, jason siska's on the hunt that's right yeah he knows um no i think that was survivor south africa i think if i remember correctly but um maybe new zealand i don't know it all, it all blends together much like uh dean's note here with the, the text <laughs> just all bleeding together into one like to be honest he could have just written like emojis and like who knows what it would have been at the bottom it's yeah and then it washes so it's so fake yeah. well i guess the, the lucky thing is that it was at tribal council and i believe when he played we showed it to jeff it was so far away that like nobody unless someone, someone has really good eyes they're not gonna be able to read it which is good because we can't even read it from here when we have a pretty significant close up of it. That's right. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add to the group. Let's snuff this. <laughs> even though like <laughs> I love it, but also it's so ugly. <laughs> oh my god. You gotta this is, snuff. And I love it. It's just so quintessential DK chillin', right? Like thinking he can get away with something only to just be like completely denied to use a, a basketball metaf- metaphor, just like smacked back in his face. <laughs> Yeah, and I did, uh, so I did re, like, to get the screenshot, I, like, did rewatch the whole segment, and he's just, the amount of unearned confidence, I mean, I love it's it. beautiful. Oh, <laughs> uh, DK chilling. Well, before we move on to the next game, uh, I want to ask about another sort of, like, eclectic Survivor contestant, because I mentioned her before, but I really do feel like Alexis Jones has kind of been lost a bit to Survivor history. Like, she is a part of the Black Widow Brigade, but I feel like if you are listing off the members, she's a bit like the Pete Best of the group, and that people remember Suri and Parvati and Amanda and even Natalie Bolton, and Alexis doesn't really stick out. Uh, but it really does seem like she has a big episode between, you know, her flirt mans with Ozzy, her making a lot of commentary, her very, uh, maybe unintentionally cattily at Tribal Council, using talking about eliza in the past tense as if she wasn't there 
uh, when she hadn't even been voted out yet. I'm intrigued to ask Chantel because you, again, watched the first eight episodes before it. I can't really remember another moment where Alexis popped, except for maybe she talks about going to exile with Ozzy. That's the other like big moment of content I feel like we got from her up to this point. No, I, I totally agree. Like she was pretty invisible up until then. There were a lot of big, bigger characters that they were trying to get out um, on her tribe. And so she didn't really have that many other moments. Um, but I think that this was actually her shining moment. Like this is where you saw the most of her. Cause I didn't, I didn't even really remember her. I was like, Oh, what's her storyline? And like, I, I knew, I remember about the, 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 the women coming together and having that, you know, that posse. And I didn't, I did not remember her being a part of it. And so this was the episode when I started to remember her having a place in survivor history. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think like the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it the caddy, but the whole drama with like her and Amanda, like going over Ozzy, like that was something I vaguely remember. But like I said earlier, wasn't like a huge part of me remembering Micronesia. So it was so funny to like see that here. And then also just thinking about her in general and like kind of how she uh, her her legacy is not the right word, right? Because I feel like she doesn't necessarily have a legacy, but like maybe she should, you know, Mm -hmm. when you look at like her contribution to the season. Yeah, I mean, she came in sixth place. Like she was one of like the final three fans left. I feel like she's somebody who is not necessarily remembered. And maybe that's to Chantel's Mm -hmm. point. Like she didn't really, her and Natalie had such weird edits and that they weren't involved in so much. And then they just all of a sudden have like these big pops. Uh, right. I, I think this is an interesting moment in Amanda's storyline as well, because in a few episodes from now, when Amanda is seemingly going to go home and she plays the idol and essentially it's her and Parvati dictating who goes here, she decides to target mm-hmm. Alexis. And I can imagine that part of the reasoning, at least, might have been, as Sari alludes to here, maybe some emotional resentment towards her spooning with Ozzy, though I can't put the entire blame on her because what the hell is Ozzy doing? He knows like how, you know, how he and Amanda seemingly care for each other at this point for him to be like full on spooning Alexis in the middle of the night. Just it's all wrong. It's all wrong to me. It's definitely wrong, but I can understand maybe playing the game and like not wanting to seem like you and Amanda are super close. So people would be coming after you um, and not wanting just to push away someone that could potentially be a vote. So I could see it being part of his strategy. I don't necessarily agree with it. I remember being like, what about Amanda? (laughs) But I can understand also why he might have wanted to not, you know, push her away completely. This is the Aussie villain edit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. It's so duplicitous. I wonder, it's interesting because uh, you mentioned Lockie Hardigan before, according to Dean's note. You know, Lockie is the bachelor. In fact, his from Australia. His his season's coming out soon. I wonder if, you know, the producers had been a di- different at the time. I could honestly see a situation where Aussie would be the bachelor. I know it's cross network, but maybe if it wasn't or some strings were pulled, like I could very much see it. I would love it. Oh, <laughs> I would love it. My. I mean, I find. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. You go. Well, I like. I love the Bachelor and the Bachelorette as well, and I find that like the men that they've been choosing lately have been kind of boring and like nobody that I would be really ever interested in. Not that I'm interested in Ozzy now, but back in the day when he was making his appearance on TV, like I would have been like, yes, I want to be on the Bachelor. I want to be one of the Bachelorettes for Ozzy. I think that. He's a little bit different from the, the the normal bachelor that they choose, and I would like to see that season. 
I would love to see that. <laughs> like, I don't know what necessarily it would be. Like, who? Because wasn't there the woman on The Bachelor who, like, came in with the shark costume? Like, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. that times 10. Like, is someone coming in with, like, different fish costumes? Like, oh, my gosh. I I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I love Lockie, and I'm happy that he's getting The Bachelor because, like, I'm one for trashy TV. But Ozzy would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think the Ostler would have been incredible. Like Chantel said, I think he's gone uh, a little off the grid and maybe a little bit into certain substances that I don't think uh, people would not, or I don't think, you know, a a show would necessarily want him back in a major capacity. But I feel like prime, like Cook Islands, Micronesia, Ozzy, or even like maybe a little bit of South Pacific Ozzy, they'd probably be like, cut your hair a little bit or tie it back. But I feel like I could see him attracting a certain clientele and i'm only thinking about it because like this episode he was able to i don't know court many survivor suitors in a certain way that i'm sure he would have you know no problem having multiple people say that they love him at the same time (laughs) agreed i want to see that (laughs) would he give away a rose like what would be the thing i think he'd give away the stick stick (laughs) with a face on it (laughs) exactly like will you take this stick and then they have to throw it into the fire yeah and then yeah that could be like the rejecting him like moment like mm. give you know a little bit of uh uh yeah of power to the woman i don't know i'm I'm just saying like that would be hilarious although not enough sari i will say just in general about the episode just yeah. not to like completely change subjects but um maybe sari is there like for the aussie bachelorness as like a commentator i don't know i think she should be the host oh yes that would be fantastic because <laughs> like, like- with this episode, like she is definitely the host with the Amanda Ozzy drama. All right. So last week, Liana, you and I talked a little bit about how we wanted to expand the B&B brand. And so we talked about B&B University, oh, no. uh, <laughs> which was a, a, an online program where we got to teach people whatever the hell we do here. I got a very fantastic quiz over this past week from a great listener, Sarah from sydney she has given me a list of courses for bnbu and basically here's how this game is going to work i'm going to read a course name and that course name is going to be taught by a contestant who was in the episode of survivor that we just saw it's among the 10 people that were in the episode of survivor micronesia that we just witnessed if you think you know who it is buzz in and answer uh, if you get it wrong, we'll, we'll give the other person an opportunity to guess. But let's see if you can attribute the professors to the courses. I will also say uh, it's not going to be one course per person. You can guess someone multiple times. Liana, give me a buzzer sound that you'd like to use for this very high educational, sorry, Ozzy, uh, educational game here. Is fake, fake legacy advantage <laughs> too many syllables? Can you abbreviate it? Can you do FFLA? FF, okay, FFLA. Yes, because that's not a mouthful. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, Chantel, no, what I about take it you? back. Sorry, I take it back. I'm going to yell Zabka. <laughs> oh, yes. In, in honor of William Zabka. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was just like one of those like Batman onomatopoeias, you know, like boom, pow, Zabka. <laughs> Zabka. Chantel, do you, have a, do you have a buzzer idea? I think I'm going to be woohoo. 
<laughs> that is a Batman <laughs> sound of. Well, I was thinking, like, you know, how, you know, it's like kind of a love theme of this episode. So, mm. woohoo! I feel like it uh, really embodies that that emotion. Oh, do so you mean like, like a wolf whistle type of thing? Like a woo Exactly. Okay. Got it. <laughs> All right. So again, I'm going to read the course name. It's going to correspond to a Micronesia contestant. Buzz in if you think you know it and you'll get a guess. Here's your first one. The Quinell as high art, colon, field studies in ice crystal geometry. Can you repeat the course? Please? I am not smart enough. All right. The, yes. The, the Quinell as high art, colon, Field studies in ice crystal geometry. Ice crystal geometry. Can we unpack this together? What's the first word that you're saying? The quenelle. Q-U-E-N-E-L-L-E. I would say what it means, but that's going to give away who it is. <laughs> quenelle. Quinelle. Um, and then what's the rest of the sentence? The Quinelle <laughs> as high art, colon, field studies in ice crystal geometry. Zabka. Yes, Liana. We're just going to go for it. I'm just going to guess Ozzy. I'm sorry, it's not Ozzy. Oh, Chantel, you have, you have a chance at a guess here. I'll just, I'm going to guess poverty. I'm sorry, it is not a favorite. It is a fan. It is Eric Reichenbach. Uh, Eric on this season was famously an ice cream scooper. Oh. A quenelle is a term for a scoop or a dollop of something. And of course, ice crystal geometry referring to ice cream. Ah, of course. Okay. I, okay. okay. Maybe now I'm understanding the yeah. tone. This is, not, exactly. this is not a 101 it's question. A it was very up. much like a, a 401. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, well, let's see if you can get this next one. When losing is winning. Colon, special topics in populist voting. <laughs> this is the most complicated course like anyone has ever <laughs> taken in the history of edumacation. Um, can you repeat it one more time? Sure. When losing is winning, colon, special topics in populist voting. Okay, Zabka? Mm-hmm. Is it Eliza? It is not Eliza. Oh. Chantel, you get a guess here. Uh, can I say poverty this time? Yeah, uh, you can, but it's not right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this is James Clement. Uh, James, you might remember, was voted fan favorite twice. Uh, so even though he lost, he still won via a populist vote. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Eliza's like running for <laughs> office. So All I'm right, just thinking of this particular episode. Okay. Let's see. But let's see if we people. can get on the board here. Okay, here's here's an interesting this. one. <clears throat> Finder Zookeepers, colon, a practicum on primate care. Okay. Oh, I thought you guys had this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I swear I'm a fan. I swear. Zabka? Yeah. James Clement? It's not James Clement, Chantel. I'm going to give you a guess here. Finders Zookeepers, colon, a practicum on primate care. Um, Jason? I'm sorry. It is 
Ozzy. I was going to say Ozzy too. I was if like, you remember oh. in the beginning of the episode, Eric said that Ozzy was his zookeeper. He felt like oh, a monkey in the zoo. Shoot. Oh, shoot. Right. I even wrote down that quote. Oh my God. I'm so mad at myself because it was so funny. It was like, um, shoot, where was it? Um, yes, we have a zookeeper bond. And I was like, yeah. I tried to create a game around zookeeper bond. I was like, I don't know what this means, but I love this. It is such a weird relationship to define of like, man, Ozzy and I get along so well. It's like he keeps me in a cage and feeds me occasionally. Right. Like he's like, he just takes care of me. Like, I yeah, I didn't realize that, that monkeys were felt like indebted to the zookeeper. Apparently, I don't know. That's what uh, that's what Eric says. All right, let's let's see if we can get on the board okay. with this next one. <laughs> Teamwork, <Please? laughs> let's get there. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to ditch the the competitive right. element. Let's have you work together here. Let's have we you merge. Are so your bad. Like, All right, here we go. Imagine? They're hard. Can you imagine like they're supermarket hard. sweep and they're like, you guys are just so bad at grabbing groceries. <laughs> We're just, getting, you know what? Just be the same team. Yeah, I don't know how David Ruprecht does it. Liana, have you been watching it on Netflix? I don't know if it's on Canadian Netflix. No, I have not. It's on Netflix, and it's oh, I spent my afternoons watching that happen. I can't wait to, to watch it. Supermarket sweep. Oh yeah, I've seen it when like when it was on air, but I haven't watched it recently. No. Well, first off, it's coming back, uh, hosted by Leslie Jones. And second of all, yeah, the, the old version is on Netflix, which ended in them having to run through a supermarket and grab huge inflatable objects that were worth, like, you know, hundreds of dollars. Okay, that's amazing. It's, it's absolutely incredible. All right, let's move on to our next one here. Hot, wet, and winged, colon, an investigation into the culinary possibilities of Cairo Terra. Okay, that's what I think I know. <laughs> okay, so first of all, this may be embarrassing to say, but there's only 10 people. <laughs> no, I think that I know this, this one. This is so that one, right? All right, what, what do you think it is, Chantal? I think it's going to be James when he yes. had his delicious bat lunch. That is correct, yes. Uh, Carapterra Car- is apparently, I guess, the Latin name for bats. And yeah, I, uh, if you're looking for an element that doesn't play too well in 2020, I think eating <laughs> bats is uh, maybe one of them. When I was watching that, I actually was gagging. It was really repulsive. <laughs> it wasn't my favorite moment. I had to hide my eyes. It was kind of like one of those things that was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> like, Just like that? squishy and juicy. Well, I think it compared it to like a rabbit or something. <laughs> it's like, that's not better. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. Digging deep, colon, perspectives on giving. This one's a bit of a hard one. Well, James Clement, I like I hate to say it, but like he's a grave digger, so digging deep. Or is there someone who digged deep in the challenge? Digging deep, colon, perspectives on giving. That- Perspectives on giving. I mean, Jason gave the immunity idol away, even though it was just an effing stick, and he did did dig deep to win the immunity challenge. What do you think? I think that's a little bit. I think that James would be closer <laughs> with them being a grave digger. He's dug a lot of things in the different competitions, like getting those, you know, wooden slacks to, for competitions um, to make a ladder and stuff. So 
I don't know, I'd say James over you said Jason, right? Yeah. He could be tricking us. He's like, oh, they're not I gonna know. do James twice. All right, you wanna go James? I feel yeah, I feel all right with that. Oh, I don't know now. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. This is the B and B, like the worst that's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, we gotta wear Dominic's fake uh immunity idol for a week. It's not that bad. Oh, we should come up with punishments at some point. Oh no. Uh, no, I am not that tricky. It is not James. This is a really difficult one. Because this is Parvati. Oh, what? So Parvati is a charity organizer in this season. I don't know if you saw in the lower third. So perspectives on giving and deep is the opposite of shallow. Oh, dear. No, 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 no. Sarah from Sydney, I liked it. I think because they all, you know, I do crossword puzzles and, you know, usually the the theme of a crossword puzzle is kind of the same. So you can know what kind of clues they're going to be giving. And so I feel that it's a misdirect with a clue that's a play on words. You know, anyways, Mm. I feel I feel misguided. I mean, it's well written, like we're just idiots. Like that's another no, thing to consider here. No. <laughs> All right, let, let me let me get another one here for you. I think this one should be a pretty good layup. Uh-oh. It has a face, colon, the practical applications of advanced fabrication. <laughs> okay, do you think Woo-hoo! it's Ozzy? It has to be Ozzy. <laughs> it's Ozzy. <Yay! laughs> We did it. Yeah, there you go. Immediate redemption Oof. from deep to shallow. All right. Here's here's the next one. I keep trying to tell you, colon, the anatomy of dialectic materialism. Okay, dialectic materialism. Like that helps. Yeah, what does dialectic mean? I, w- I would say look to the first part of the course. Okay, I keep dialect. To tell you. So like, oh, look to the first. Okay, can you repeat then? <laughs> I keep I keep trying to tell you, colon, the anatomy of dialectic materialism. Oh, is that what Sari said? I keep trying to tell you like she's bad news or something like that. Ooh. That is oh, no, correct. about Ozzy. Oh, yeah, Sari tells yeah, Amanda. I said. Keep, yep. She says I keep I keep trying to tell you, Missy. He's playing. Look at us go. And uh, okay, anatomy also refers to the fact that she's a nurse. Nah. Oh. Okay. okay. All right. Here we go. Here's the next one. Big sets, colon, introduction to os- oscillatory motion on ocean surfaces. Can you repeat the question, please? Sure. Big sets, colon, introduction to oscillatory motion on ocean surfaces. Big Woo-hoo. So the uh, Amanda. Okay, so oscillatory motion is like waves on oceans. <laughs> so, I thought it meant seeing things on uh, ocean level, but okay, I, I can very well be wrong. Um, I was thinking it would be Amanda when she got found the sh- when she got the shark is what I was thinking, and she has those big big eyes. But I guess I misunderstood the word. Interesting. Okay, what was the first part? <laughs> big sets. Big colon. sets. It's big eyes. Introduction to oscillatory motion on ocean surfaces. Yeah, that's a good point. Big sets, big eyes. Is that the thing? I honestly, I would fail this course if I was back in college. So you'd be all washed up. That's right. Oh, all washed up. Do you think that was a hint? <laughs> Are you whispering to her? Oh, wait, yes, what, 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 Mike, I, go away. Eliza also has big eyes. <gasps> okay, let's do that. 
do you want to do that? Okay. <laughs> Let's go for it. All in. So you're going to say Eliza? Yes. I'm sorry. Eliza is rolling her eyes. It is Ozzy. Uh, Liana was on the right track. Uh, you know, Ozzy was talking about surfing in Australia, oscillatory motion on ocean surfaces. I believe he actually said when Alexis asked him, like, what were the waves like in Australia? He's like, oh, big sets. And so that's what that's oh, referring to. It's oh, true. shoot. I do remember that moment. Yes. Ugh, when they were lying down together, I do remember that. I do yeah. love the thing of big sets. Oh, big eyes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I was also thinking about big boobs, big <laughs> eyes. And I was like, I don't think that she would write that. So, <laughs> you know, big sets, same thing. All right. Here's, here's the final one. Amphibious pommel horse, colon, parametric designs in Olympic architecture. <sighs> okay. Amphibious pommel horse. So amphibious... Oh, gymnastics. Who's the gymnastics coach? Oh, um, shoot. Somebody is. Um, is it... No, Eric's the ice cream, uh, ice cream person. Is it Jason? That is correct. Jason. Yay! Yay! Yes. Hey, pommel horse came through! Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So Jason is a gymnastics coach. Uh, Amphibious refers to the fact that he won that water challenge in the episode. And pommel horse refers to the fact that he's a gymnastics coach. So... Congratulations, you had a strong finish. You put your hands up in the air, and the judges gave you tens, tens, tens across the board. Uh, one other one that uh, Sarah gave me, which was not for any castaways, was for Jeff Probst. Tell me what it's like, Colin, perspectives on machine learning and the performative articulation of familial emotionality in AI. Oh, that sounds about no. right. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Jeff coming and be like, yeah, so talk to me about having a father. So the relationship between a brother and a sister, that's like different than between a parent. You're like, yeah. So suffice it to say, it was not a rousing 4.2 grade point average, but I think working together, you're able to find some success in this game. And thank you again, Sarah from Sydney, for giving us a very creative yet very difficult B&B game. I mean, very difficult. but like, to be honest, it's what we needed. Like, come on. Like, if we're going to go to school, we got to get our button gear. We got to do this thing for real. Yeah, no, I, I wish I'd studied better. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that would have been the difference. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So before we get into our very last bonus game that I have for us, I do have one question. So one of the things that I noticed from this episode was when Jason was talking about sending Ozzy's cocky butt home, Eliza said, this might make me more hated than fair play. Oh, yeah. Which got me thinking about like... So, like, I mean, we just watch Winners at War. Like, I'm sure there are players who are like, oh, what is the fandom going to think? So I kind of wanted to talk about, one, this quote in general, but also, like, who would be the this era's fair play? Like, what would people say if they went on to play? Like, ooh, this would make me more hated than blank. Mike, what do you think? I mean, uh, going a bit with a non-funny answer, it might be Dan Spilo, but we okay. can avoid that too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Joey Amazing based on some other stuff, too. Yeah. Okay, well... Uh, no, it's a good question, though, because, yeah, I agree. That comment came out of nowhere because there's a difference to me between lying about your grandmother being dead and playing an idol to save yourself. It was a little weird. Maybe Eliza just felt like the people in the game would dislike her more, but that's a little bit different to me than, like, the fan base disliking you. 
So I guess if I could come up with like a modern day person who did stuff in the game that people were not a fan of. Well, it's not um, the best topic, but Jeff Barner, mm. that was his moment that um, tribal council wasn't great. Um, hmm. I mean, well. I guess like I know people were people were, I think, surprisingly mixed on Tony in his first season. Uh, with him like betraying people left and right. I know there are certainly people that feel like the swearing on the badge thing might have been a step too far. I know Sarah certainly felt that in the moment. So I, I would see I would see it less with winners at war because that seemed like a more of a no holds barred game for everybody. But I could see if you're attributing it to Kagayan, that might be a Tony thing of like a big brash villain who will make, you know, faulty promises that he'll immediately break. Now, I can't take anything necessarily from the Survivor Facebook page, being that they are still talking about Boston Rob. <laughs> I mean, again, he was on Wars at War, fine, all right. But, like, anyway, who is, like, the new villain? And, I mean, Russell Hance is the most recent person that they talk about. Otherwise, it's Dominic Abate, which is the other person. But oh, even then, if like, I make this fake, fake idol, I'll become I, the next Dominic Abate. That shell, baby. Like, I don't know. Like, there's not that one person that is, you know, my grandma died level of, like, this is a villain on Survivor, which I thought is super interesting. And I don't know what that says about, like, the show or whatever but um but i thought that that was particularly interesting that you can't like necessarily sum one person down and be like oh like they're the villain necessarily yeah i mean i think it also maybe speaks towards the people they're casting uh or like because again johnny fairplay was someone who wanted to go on there and purposely play up the villain role like he clearly mm -hmm. had other things in mind i think the people they cast nowadays are much less about like yep i plan to come on and be a villain especially in like the social media age where i don't think anyone comes on like I can't wait to get dragged on Twitter. That's going to be great for three months out of my life. Um, Bradley. <laughs> oh, it might be Bradley. <laughs> you remind I mean, me of my son. <laughs> it could be Bradley, but again, like, yeah, I guess because Brad, Bradley talked about like how he, he the the whole like at, the whole dick thing, right? So may, maybe Bradley is sort of like the new fair play in that regard. Yeah, I don't think anybody, like, nothing, nobody that comes up in my mind as to would fit that, you know, category. Um, everybody seems so, oh, docile and maybe, maybe concerned about social media and all that stuff. Maybe that is changing people, the way that people have been playing the game is knowing that they're having so many eyes on them and they don't necessarily want to be known as the villain. Because it's not necessarily a good game strategy anymore because people are just like, oh, we don't like you. We're going to take you out. So. Maybe because the game has evolved so much that it's not really a good character type. Yeah, um, that's that's a good point. Like, who are the goats these days? They're the Noras of the world. You know what right. I mean? Like, the fun characters who are just, hmm, I don't know what I could say about Nora, but, you know, just a little bit eccentric, maybe, is the right way to talk about her. You know, so you're not talking about people who are, are like, so hate, hated by the jury. Like, those people really do get voted out. Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, again, maybe the thing that makes Bradley a bit different is that I think he walked in here, like, not necessarily caring what people thought about him to a certain extent. And I think, 
I would not necessarily say that about Fair Play as much as Fair Play wanted people to hate him. It, it's sort of like two sides of a, of a coin that are sort of in the same vein, but I guess different intentions. Mm, very true. Bradley Fairlaw. <laughs> oh, maybe. Who was it? It was Natalie. Wasn't Natalie the... She was kind of a villain. Maybe. A little bit. Uh, from this season? Like no, Natalie from... Natalie, Natalie Anderson? Steven. No, with the jacket season. Oh, um, Natalie Cole. Because she was, you know, definitely seem, coming across as maybe a little bit of a tyrant, kind of bossy. People weren't necessarily jiving with her. I, I mean, I could see her maybe having a little bit of a villain arc if she had lasted a little bit longer. Mm, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that would have been interesting. I mean, because, you know, she was obviously like a very strong person, very strong personality. I don't think she necessarily fell under like the villain category, but, you know, who knows if she had lasted longer. Okay, so we have one final game to play. The title of the episode that we talked about was I'm in such a hot pickle. And a listener of the podcast, Stephen Fox, has put together a game for us to play that I like to just call the bonus pickle game because oh, who no. doesn't want to play a pickle <laughs> game? No, no, no. All right. It's it's not, not that bad. What we are going to be doing is we are going to go through various pickle recipes. And I am going to ask you guys, you can work together. We're all about teamwork here at the B&B, as we recently learned from the professor game that Mike had us play. Uh, but you are going to pick which recipe is the made up recipe. So I am going to read to you four recipes, three of which are real and exist on the Internet. And you can follow that recipe and make your best pickle recipe and the fourth one that i made up that maybe will inspire someone to make their very own pickle recipe wait wait so are these recipes that feature pickles or are these like how to make pickles no these feature pickles so i think once we get into our first question you will get the sense of what we're asking we're actually going to build a whole menu of pickle recipes Ooh. yeah so the very first thing we're going to start of are the pickle drinks all right. Oh, oh, oh. Shut up, Mike. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> these are the first drinks. The uh, the options for you to pick from, again, three are real. One is fake. You're trying to guess the fake recipe. A, pickle Bloody Mary shooters. B, pickle jello shots. C, pickle smoothies. Or D, Spicy dill pickle margaritas. Ooh. Okay. Well, first, let me ask Chantal: Are you are you a pickle person? I'm a pickle person. Okay. Good. I love pickles. Good. <laughs> one of, one of my childhood nicknames, legitimately, was pickles. So I feel one with this game. Um, explain. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I think my family like got it from Rugrats or something, which we watched religiously. But for some reason, the two things my parents would call me as a kid were pickles and creamy. And I don't know what that says about my childhood. <laughs> or maybe it's a new recipe. Yeah, creamy pickles. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I just, I this is not necessarily the place, but I feel like we need to unpack <laughs> <laughs> my childhood nicknames. That's yeah, we'll put a, we'll put a put a pickle in that. Right. Um. Well, I feel like so. I feel like we could count uh, Bloody Marys out because I feel like it would make sense to put pickles in Bloody Marys, right? Like I feel like that serves as like what tomato juice kind of serves. I feel like that makes sense. Is there a drink to you that sticks out of what you think would not feature pickles? I mean, it may be, what was it, 
jello the jello shots the only thing i think about that is i have seen like pickleback shots you know like i could yeah, see it's... a possible recipe where they incorporate that into one i agree and so then i was also maybe see the smoothie as like yeah i was uh... thinking the smoothie as well because d is the the mo- is the the margarita and i could definitely yeah, see a margarita sure. there um yeah i think we should go with c the smoothie because because we're, we have seen alcohol and pickle juice mixed together. So if it's a right. jello shot, yeah. All right. So it's a smoothie. So you guys are correct. Nice. Yes. So the pickle Bloody Mary shooters, you actually make within a pickle. So you like hollow out the pickle and you Whoa. put the Bloody Mary within it. So again, I'm not sure. Like, do you drink, then bite, drink, then bite? Not quite sure. Same with the pickle jello shots. You like make the jello with in the pickle uh which sounds disgusting that sounds like too much work (laughs) to like hollow out a pickle so carefully and then have then fill it with jello so what flavor jello okay so according to this recipe it's called pickleback jello shots it's on delish.com prep time 15 minutes total time two hours and 15 minutes ingredients are pickle juice whiskey gelatin large pickles and fresh dill so you just go ahead and make the gelatin with the whiskey and the pickle juice and you fill the pickle (laughs) that's about all it is i don't mind picklebacks but i don't know if i'd actually enjoy that well because that essentially is like that's not even a shot that's just like you have to eat a pickle that has whiskey gelatin instead (laughs) right (laughs) like it's not a shot you're just eating a pickle (laughs) it's kind of gross (laughs) all right well let's move on from drinks and let's order an appetizer so the options for you guys are a a pickle fried mozzarella stick b pickle and artichoke dip c pickle egg rolls or d pickle guacamole oh okay I'll ask you again, okay. Chantel, is, there, is there a food that sticks out to you that either would or would not have pickles in it? I would say egg roll the most. Right, I would um, too, but that it, makes me feel like there might be, I don't know, because pickling is like something that I feel like happens in Asian cultures, so I would hmm. not be surprised if that there is like a pickle egg roll for whatever demented reason. Well, the mozzarella sticks, I was thinking like there's fried, deep fried pickles. That's what right? I was thinking so, too. That could be something, that, that could be something very similar. And the artichoke dip, well, maybe that's a little bit grosser. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> the artichoke the, dip, because the, the last one is what? the Guacamole, guacamole. I can see that. I can see that. So yeah, I, I feel like the artichoke dip might be the way to go. I, 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 I like your reasoning. All right, I'm into artichoke it. dip, we're locking it in. You guys are two for two. Yes, Woo! the pickle and artichoke dip was the one that was made up. Uh, to your point, the pickle fried mozzarella sticks were essentially, yeah, just a deep fried uh, pickle with some cheese in it. Uh, oh, so th- oh, God, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I mean, to each their own, but yes, it is disgusting. Um, and then the pickle egg rolls are also sort of a similar deal where it's just like with the paper on it, fried with the, you know. You just what, wrap up a pickle and fry it? Yeah, essentially. These uh, appear to be hollowed out. They're filled with cheddar cheese, bacon, um, and uh, some chopped chives as well. So, and then of course, yes, the pickle guacamole, which is so funny. This is also from delish.com. True life. 
I made pickle guacamole and it was actually good. So if anyone is interested. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about our main course. So again, you have four options. A, the world famous pickle dumplings. B, the peanut butter pickled pancakes. C, dill dill pickled stuffed pierogies. Or D, pickle pasta salad with cheddar cheese. God. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) On all counts. I think the grossest one would be pierogies. Like a potato. Yeah, I don't know about potatoes and pickles. I think the pasta salad makes sense because, to be honest, I like putting chopped up pickles in tuna salad. Mm, So I can see it going into pasta salad. Um,. Remind me, remind me of A and B again. I don't, B so, was the pancakes, right? Yes. So A and, was the world famous pickle dumplings. B, the peanut butter pickle pancakes. Yeah, so I, the pickle dumplings, I could imagine, because again, it's the same thing as the pickled egg roll. Peanut butter pickle pancakes sounds so vile that she, I feel like Liana couldn't have written it, right? Like someone actually attempted this. Well, don't people eat peanut butter and pickles? Like, isn't that like a really? weird like sandwich that people like have a, a craving for? I feel like peanut butter and pickles is a thing. Peanut butter. A gross thing, but it's, I think it's a thing. Maybe. I, you know what? Maybe that is. You know what? The more that you talk about, it, maybe, maybe that is a thing. I think like Elvis might have had it or something. Maybe that, I know it was peanut butter and banana, but maybe it was peanut butter and pickle as well. So, okay, so the pancakes would make sense. I think the dumpling would make sense. Uh, I think the pasta salad would make sense. So, yeah, I guess by default, we're going with the pierogi here. All right. So you had the right logic on some of these, but no, unfortunately, the world famous pickled dumplings was the fake answer. The peanut butter pickle pancakes are 100% real. I am looking at the gift recipe right now. It looks disgusting. But yes, I, Chantel, to your point, I have a coworker who puts pickles on his peanut butter and chocolate sandwiches. It not my personal preference but you know what he likes it and more power to him so yes apparently this is a market that uh the pickle (laughs) big pickle is trying to to uh, go after wow gross i just pulled up a picture of that i was like it would not be anything that i choose to eat (laughs) yeah all right well last question here let's round things out with talking about a pickle dessert so again for options you have cannoli stuffed with pick or cannolis stuffed with pickle cream you have pickle cream (laughs) you have pickled donuts you have three ingredient pickle cookies or utah pickle pie utah pickle pie is that like a Utah pie with pickles or is it a pickle pie from Utah? Can't uh, can't answer those questions. Feel like it might give too much away. Oh, yes, of course. Thank you. I, I did. <laughs> I know how much I love Utah pies. I'm really trying to remember how much the pickle gets involved in this. I one. mean, I know. I know you might. <laughs> right, what do you think? Chantel? The full description of the donuts again, please. Uh, OK, so it is pickled donuts. Oh, that's just it. And yes, that's all I can say at the moment. That's the one that I would say is standing out the most. Like, how do you pickle a donut? Yeah, I guess it's a good question. Like, how do you, I guess you could put a pickle in the in the dough, but like, I don't know how wet 
that gets with the dough. <laughs> the three ingredient pickle cookies, I am so intrigued because I'm assuming one of those ingredients is a trash can that you should throw it right in. <laughs> um, then there's the Utah pickle pie, which again, I would say feels too specific, but we got got before with the with the world famous pickle dumpling. So I don't know if she'd get us again. And then what was the first one again? Uh, the, the cannoli. Yes, the cannoli stuffed with pickle cream. Yeah, see, that makes sense because that's uh, this the shape and also pickle cream sounds like something stupid that somebody with time would create. Uh, I don't know why I'm sounding <laughs> so judgmental towards these chefs. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, I guess, yeah, I think let's go with the pickle donut. All right. So unfortunately, I was the idiot who came up with pickle cream. <laughs> oh, it was a cannoli. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe that was Steven. Uh, no, the cannoli stuffed with pickle cream is the fake one. The pickle donuts exist, which let me talk to you. Inspired by National Pickle Day, which takes place on November 14th, um, Hertz Donuts, which is located in Springfield, Missouri, developed the pickle donut. It's a yeast donut that is stuffed with a pickled cheesecake filling dipped in vanilla icing Ooh. sprinkled with dried dill and topped with pickled juice cubes which i what don't want to know what a pickled juice those things burn them <laughs> i do not know maybe if it was a bagel we would be okay with that but I think it's I don't it's want a donut. pickled juice cubes on anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should ban the website Delish because this is through a partnership with the food website Delish that brought you the pickled juice cubes. My God, were these all like uh, Top Chef competitions and like you know pickles yeah, today? Like, and oh, they yeah, had to, like, to make something with pickles. I guess I could put it in a, the juice in a cube. <laughs> well, <laughs> gelatin yeah that's right well speaking of limited ingredients let's talk about the uh three ingredients oh, no. <laughs> yes please i need to know which mike i'm so sorry no the trash can is not one of the ingredients but it is the location through which these pickle cookies are then placed because i don't like i don't even I, like i want to try to ask you guys like what okay no i'm gonna do it what do you think the other ingredients are again you can work together as a team you have two there's two right answers how are there only two <laughs> ingredients okay well one of them yes is indeed pickles okay <laughs> so what are the so, other two sugar and flour like <laughs> yeah but like i guess what binds them is it pickles oh um yeah i guess or like or maybe like start? pickles and eggs and flour or something yeah well, then, so it just would be not sweet? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. What is it, Liana? Okay, so yes, you're correct with the flour. Um, although this is particularly coconut flour, uh, if anyone okay. cares. The other ingredient is cashews. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So you soak the cashews in the drained pickle juice overnight. That's step one. Then step two, you drain the cashews and add to a blender with several pickles. Blend until combined into a paste, which is the favorite word that everyone loves to hear when they're talking about food, a paste. Then you add the coconut flour, you blend it, you bake it. So I, I'm so intrigued here because cashews and coconut flour seem to invoke to me like a tropical setting, maybe even a survivor-based setting. And then you just throw in the pickle 
like just some tourist came in and just completely gentrified the thing for a hot second. It 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 is such a weird thing to throw in there. Well, I was thinking more along the lines of raw vegan, and maybe it's not fully cooked at I don't know four hundred and fifty degrees because I did spend a year of my life eating raw vegan, and you definitely got very creative. And cashews were the base of a lot of different things that you would make, and so and coconut flour, coconut like using coconuts in different ways as well was part of my diet. So I think this was a raw vegan that was becoming creative with items that she had in her in her refrigerator. Hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so stretched. It's very possible. Like more power to you. Um. Not sure if these are necessarily my favorite, but uh, <laughs> if you're interested in pinning the recipe on Pinterest, there's a very uh well located pin recipe button. <laughs> Can you pickle it? Uh, I don't know, but check out nestandglow.com slash healthy recipes slash pickle cookies. Should there be like a, a Pinterest instead of called Pickle Trist where it's all about pickle based things? I mean, Mike, you're a genius. Next Sharks, level. what I have for you today is a new app that's going to change the world. <laughs> yeah, Dragon's Den, Shark Tank, bring it on. We got Pickle Net right for you. It's the pickle whole net. internet. But <laughs> the dark Pickle Net. <laughs> The dill pickle net. Dill pickle. <laughs> no. Wait, you guys don't have dill pickle chips though in the states, do you? We do not. So yes, we are a little bit, you know, more used to having the flavor of dill, but dill pickle chips are quite tasty. Not going to lie. So we have dill pickle, um, like sunflower seeds. So those I really like. I don't know if that is in any way similar, but yes. I don't think so. Okay. Then I, no. No, no, no. These are like, I remember from going to Canada, these are like potato chips flavored yeah. with, with dill pickles. Like instead of it being salt and vinegar, it's dill pickle uh, flavor. It's like kind of in that kind of tart um Realm. Okay, gotcha. So do they come with their own pickle juice cubes or do you have to buy those separately? <laughs> that would be separate. Gotcha. Um, you know, so yeah, it's like, you know, how nice I, pickle cream on the side. I believe in the UK, like you buy chips and you buy like a little bag of salt that you like salt as you go. I believe they do that with pickle chips and these the, <laughs> the small pickle cubes. <laughs> Sorry, it's pickled juice cubes. Oh, right? my apologies. <laughs> Yes. Oh, boy. Well, before we go here, as we've been doing lately on the B&B, we like to give a shout out to a charity each and every week to highlight people who are fighting the good fight in various causes out there in the world. Chantel is the guest of honor. Are there any causes in particular or charities that you would like to highlight? I mean, defunding the police would be, you know, something that's on topic for the last few months and the reason why we're coming here together today. So maybe that could be something that people could look towards. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is there is there any particular reason, like a campaign zero or anything that, that you feel people should donate to in particular? Um, I don't know a specific one that offhand. I could research one for you. Yeah, I think okay. Campaign Zero is the one that's like really um, at the, the forefront that's doing a lot of that because, you know, Pulling a Golden Girls episode is one thing, uh, but then, you know, actually taking action is uh, is another thing. Yeah. So if, if we want to hone in on Campaign Zero for a second, maybe while Chantel is doing some some research. So Campaign Zero uh, has provided 10 actionable steps uh, so we can live in a world where police brutality is significantly curbed. It stems from everything from uh, community oversight to uh training to community representation to fair police union contracts there is so much information about out there 
like you said, it, it's definitely been catching fire. I know our own Rob Cesternino even has has uh, touted it out as well. So you can check that out by going to joincampaignzero.com or sorry, joincampaignzero.org and zero is spelled out Z-E-R-O. You can see at the top ribbon there, donate on the far right. So again, joincampaignzero.org. Is there any other stuff you want to highlight, Chantel? No, that sounds great because I think that's the one that my best friend has been supporting. And um, so I would agree with that one. Awesome. Well, Chantel, this was so, so much fun to, to welcome you onto the network at large and onto the BNB. You truly were the pickle juice cubes to add just the right amount of flavor to this, whatever dish this podcast is. So we're, we're so happy to have you on. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me for sure. And if I ever meet you guys in person, I am going to bring a bag of pickle chips. Yeah. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Well, the first oh time I God. met Liana, I brought her bio straps. So I think anything is going to be a leg up from that. That is true. Yeah, you can't get much worse than Biostrath. Anything pickle related, even the pickled donut, in fact, might be better with its pickled juice cubes than Biostrath. I mean, maybe I can make that for you. No, thank you. I mean, I'm very excited to meet you, but uh, uh, well, no, thank you. listen, just go on to Pickle Trust on the on the Dill Pickle Net and make sure you find all the recipes you need to in one convenient place. Uh, speaking of one convenient place, Chantel, if people want to follow you on social media whatever channel of preference you have how can how can people follow you i mean the most easy because i do a lot of different things is my regular channel on instagram so it'd be at shanfranfran so at c-h-a-n-f-r-a-n-f-r-a-n that's pretty much the easiest and then there's links to all my other channels there oh i love that i love that handle shanfranfran that's me shanfranfran should i do that uh what what would it be Liborbor, uh, Liborbor, yeah, baby. <laughs> Sounds like you're some sort of I don't know, like Eastern European thug played by William Zabka. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I like Liborbor, Liborbor, up in her. Uh, <laughs> um, so you can follow me at Liborbor. No. <laughs> You can follow me at Liana RHAP on Twitter. I am talking, of course, about um, all of the nonsense that we're getting up to here. But also, Big Brother is going to be starting. So I'm super excited. Oh my God. Super excited. Also terrified. Also excited. Like, just all of the emotions, all of the emotions that the three pickle or three ingredient pickle cookies like bring up in me. Um, I am. Che- well, maybe maybe that's what they should have instead of slop or three pickle cookies. Oh, that's actually honestly, I want to go back and see if there's like a, you know when you like voted and then there was like this and pickles. I love that. Maybe when they got this yeah, really was it jelly jelly combo. beans or jicama. That's right. <laughs> Jelly and pickles or jello shot pickles. Um, anyway, not to digress, <laughs> not like the whole uh, freaking podcast is digressing. But yes, so there's Big Brother. And then, of course, RuPaul's Drag Race. We just finished the finale of All Stars 5. So we are going to be talking about everything related to that. And of course, Canada's Drag Race, which then will be continuing after that in its very own podcast series with the RuPaul's Drag Race crew. So look out for that again that's at leah borbor what was oh good i'm glad you did i'm glad you did 
I'm Liana. I'm so sad to say I don't want to sour your time here. Uh, Libor Bor has unfortunately taken on Instagram. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know how, and I'm scared as to who took it. But yeah, L I B O R B O R has taken. Ah, you have to be Le- Libor Bor one or something. <laughs> Libor Bor six and I. You can follow me at Libor six nine on Instagram. Oh my God, uh, Chantal! I know you're a Drag Race fan, and obviously you're Canadian as well. What have been your thoughts on Canada's Drag Race so far? Um, I, well, I love it. I think it's really fun. Most of the queens I've either seen perform in real life or the people that I talk about the show with are friends with. And so it's been really great having people so like one degree away. I, I think that Jimbo is going to come and talk to us like later on in the oh, season. So awesome. it's just yeah. kind of fun to be just so close to everybody. It's a, like I've seen Tainomi perform. I've seen Priyanka perform like one of her first shows. And so it's, it, I feel really close to, um, the season. For sure. Um, I think that the the queens are really exciting and they're kind of fun and they're just, just they're not um, super stressed out. And so I think it's been great so mm. far. Um, I was really disappointed in last week's elimination. I was hoping that she could just get her head together and, you know, focus, but it didn't happen. And one of my girls went home. I don't know if I want to spoil it. Mm. But yes. without, without, yeah, without saying too much about the episode, I will also say that if Jimbo does indeed come to speak to you, make sure the heat's on because I hear she has some trouble with the cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's warm right now. Yes. She's in or BC, I believe, though. So it's not that warm. Can I also I'll throw some and Liana, I know you haven't recorded yet, but I'm, I'm going to throw out a Survivor Drag Race comparison and, and see if it bites because I tweeted this out <laughs> as well. I think season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race is the Survivor San Juan del Sur of rupaul's drag race uh where you know you and i did a podcast together about it like i think everyone was like fine about the season at the time but i think in retrospect and considering what returnees from that season have done it's a very much like oh okay season nine is a lot stronger than i initially thought first of all is that with relaxa talks i can't remember which one no so season, season nine, nine was with um shay coulee and sasha velour and peppermint and trinity, and trinity the tuck and taylor valentina and aja mm-hmm. so first of all rude mike because i literally have a <laughs> screenshot of your tweet pulled because i want to talk about it on the podcast <laughs> okay, we'll, put a, we'll put a pin on it then you can talk about it tomorrow this will be okay. coming out after that podcast anyway so that's right but yes <laughs> i agree well you can follow- oh, go ahead i was gonna say also have you seen the new trailer of the new drag race show the, the vegas the, one the vegas one i'm salivating i'm so excited to see that Yes. Oh my God. With Vanchi making out with uh freaking um what's her face? Was it Naomi? No, it was um Derek? No. Uh made the final three with uh, when Aquaria won and Eureka oh, Cameron Michaels. Cameron Michaels, yes. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I, I didn't know who she was making out with. I just saw her making out with somebody. Oh, well, spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. We like okay. I like came back from commercial and I saw that and I was like what in the good goodness gracious is going on in the world? Yeah, and then there's something about like Asia O'Hara like didn't go out for her set or something. Like seems like there's some drama there with the work the world tour. Why don't they do that with Survivor when it come when you know if if the show isn't coming back and then you know uh restrictions are relaxed, maybe they can do like a Survivor tour. 
<laughs> worth the world, but for survivors, I don't even know what that would look like. Like fishing, like what would they do? Yeah, I think <laughs> they just come on and like give talks or maybe compete in like little challenges around the country. Yeah, do challenges on stage, that'd be kind of fun to watch. Yes, it would be like Tony, like hiding in various places. Yeah. He's like up amongst the roofing. Like I have no idea. Yeah, you could drop from the ceiling like Cameron Michaels did. That's right. Yes. That Tony will fall Vanjie. out of his spine nest. And uh, then you, make out with Vanjie. Exactly. That's, the, that's what you have to do. Uh, oh my God, Tony and Vanjie make it out. I ship it. Uh, I ship Tony. <laughs> you can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. Uh, as Liana said, yeah, so Big Brother All-Stars is coming. I put out an announcement about it. And we just talked about this beforehand, but I think we can officially announce that in some way, shape, or form, Liana and I will be continuing our B and B coverage into BB All Stars. I think we're going to try to make it weekly, but no promises, especially in the early days when there's a bit of crossover here. But I mean, this is like a once in a lifetime season and a once of a lifetime time right mm-hmm. now. So we're we're going to keep B and Bing for the foreseeable future. And speaking of Survivor, I also had a great interview with Jatia Hart about all the fantastic work she's been doing with the Soul Survivors organization, including the recent roundtables that they hosted, her sort of response to the fan support behind the petition they put out, and what they are aiming to do with TSSO moving forward. I very much recommend check that out for all the really, really outstanding work that her and the organization has been doing. You can check that out at Parade.com over in the podcast space. Josh Wiggler and I just started covering Lost Season 3 on Down the Hatch on Beyond Top Chef this week. We talked about the really great Netflix documentary, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And of course, Rob Sesternino, myself, and Jessica Lee continued recapping Tough as Nails, joined once again by <laughs> Phil Kogan. Still freaking pinching myself that I get to talk to Emmy-winning host Phil Kogan every week. But it was another great episode and another great appearance from Phil. So be sure to check all that out. Liana and I are going to be back next week on the B&B as we're going to keep on keeping on with the merge episodes. We are going to another very, very big episode in Survivor history. We are going to Survivor Heroes versus Villains episode 10, the infamous merge episode with Parvati's double idol play. It's called Going Down in Flames and boy, oh boy, does JT do so. We see the heroes come from a place of hope and cockiness to it all being crushed at the foot of the debaucherous little villains. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to get into from that, Liana. Oh my god, I'm so excited. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I've been excited about all of these, but in particular, like, Heroes Villains is one of my favorite seasons, and talking about this episode in particular I think is going to be a total, I was going to say, Poot, maybe I should say pickle. I'm not like not quite sure what to say, but either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. meaning, considering how many times we've said it over the course of this podcast. That's true. Well, special thanks to all the listeners out there who sent us stuff this week between Sarah from Sydney's quiz, Stephen Fox's quiz. We are eternally grateful for the stuff that you guys are sending us week in and week out. And keep on sending stuff. It could be about anything tangentially related to the episode (laughs) or about the episode proper. Email us, rhapbnb at gmail.com or tweet us, hashtag rhapbnb. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing everything behind the scenes. Paul Lawson for his great work. And of course, the fantastic theme song from Will from America. We're going to be back next week covering episode 10 of a season 20, the merge episode of Heroes versus Villains. Let's start pickling some bananas to turn them from green to yellow. Chantel, thank you so much. Liana, thank you as well. Thank you all for listening. We'll check you out 
at your next stay. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.